0: Good to see you all again. My, uh, if you were here last week, my throat feels much better than it did uh, last weekend. Um, Unfortunately, A. and uh, Noah, our fifteen-month-old, they are at home because Noah is uh, not feeling well this morning, and we didn't feel like it'd be a good idea for him to come and pass on what he had with you guys. So they're at home, uh, probably snuggled up on the couch as he was, uh, um, that's where they were when we left him. So um, it's good to be here again. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, the gospel uh, according to Luke chapter one. This passage that we're going to look at uh, today is one of those passages, and it reminds me actually of a movie that we were watching last night uh, at my in-laws' house. We were over at um, at A.'s mom and dad; they lived there. And Sky took, and we uh, we had uh, had supper with them last night, and we were watching a, a Christmas movie, and it was one of those movies as a a comedy. And, uh, you know, it's one of those that's funny, and there's some parts that are funnier than others. But it's, you know, supposed to be a lighthearted comedy. But there's about a ten-minute stretch where it was real serious, and it was talking about just how parents sacrifice for their kids and kids don't understand. And it just very much just a very serious moment. And, And I looked at my wife with tears in my eyes, and she looked back at me with tears in her eyes. I said, who? Like, you guys didn't warn me about this. I thought this was supposed to be one of those funny movies. And here we are both looking at each other, uh, tearing up. Unexpected, right? This passage that we're going to look at in Luke was unexpected for me as I, uh, as I was studying it this week and um, unpacking it. I was blown away by the theological depth and the joy that comes from Mary's... Words. Luke, chapter one, verses forty-six through fifty-five are known as the Magnificent or Mary's Song, as it may be labeled in some of your texts. And I've read through the the the, the text as I've been reading through the Gospel of Luke in the past, but I've never unpacked it. I've never studied it in its original language. I've never Pulled it apart and just looked at what is here for us. And so I was excited. My heart was excited as I was studying this week. And I, I hope that I am able to show you just some of the, the richness of Mary's words that Luke records for us this morning. So let's read the text together and then let's pray and ask God to bless our time together in the text this morning. Again, that's Luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 55 Mary said my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked on me with favor his humble servant surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me for his name is holy his mercy is from generation to generation for those who fear him he has done a mighty deed with his arm for he scatters the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts he has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly he has satisfied the hungry with good things but sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering His mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He spoke to our ancestors. Let's pray. Dear God, Father, we pray as we remember these words Lord we pray, I pray as we remember this time of year Lord that our Savior came not born in a palace with riches but in a meager village in the hill country Born not in a golden-laden cradle, but in a manger filled with hay. Born not to royalty in the physical sense, but to two lowly servants. And God, may we remember that, that Jesus, though He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that His earthly origins were meek and humble. May we remember that you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble. Be with us, Lord. May your spirit dwell richly among us as we unpack your word together this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. This text could really be broken down into three different sermons But We're going to make it only one And uh, we're going to to look at The three different kind of sections of it If you're taking notes or if you outline or write in your Bible as I do I'll just I'll give you kind of uh, how we're going to break this down and then we'll attack each section accordingly This song or this uh, uh, this, the text that, that Luke records, Mary, um, uh, Mary's words, is, is three sections. And it's, it starts with 46, and it goes 46, 47, um, 48, and then half of 49. But we'll just say 46 through 48 is really Mary uh, exalting and acknowledging what God has done for her specifically. Right? Specifically what God has done for her. And then, the next kind of middle section is uh, this section of Mary highlighting just who God is and how He has operated in the Old Testament and, and still operates today. She is highlighting God's power, His mercy, and how He deals with humanity. And then finally, the last section, last section, 54 and 55, Mary is going to remind us of how God remembers His servant Israel, His people. So we have how God specifically, uh, what He has done for Mary, how God and His character operate, Uh, generally throughout all time and then again specifically how God rescues his people so we go from specific to general to specific so let's dive into Mary's opening words and this is really just a wonderful insight into the heart and into the mind Of the mother of our Lord Mary says My soul magnifies The Lord My soul glorifies My my soul makes much Of The Lord And my spirit Rejoices In God My Savior So we pause here And we ask Right We ask, beloved, does your soul magnify the Lord? And does your spirit rejoice in God, your Savior? I think it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, sometimes, right? Like when things are going well, it's really easy for us to to say, yeah, of course God is great. Of course God is good. Right? This is the... This is, uh, if you remember back to the book of Job, um, the Lord says to, to Satan, the accuser, he says, Have you ever considered my servant Job? And, and Satan says back to the Lord, he says, Well, of course Job worships you. Of course Job is faithful to you. Look at all the good things you've done for him. Look at how you've blessed him with children and with wealth and with family. Look at all these great things you've done for Job. Satan says, Of course he praises your name. And it's easy for us when things in life are going well to say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. God's blessed me. I'm, I'm doing well. But, but does our soul magnify the Lord even in moments of difficulty? Right? Even in moments of hardship. Mary is in a precarious situation in her life. Right? She's to be with child, although she's never been with a man. She's engaged to a man and expecting in a culture where this was not allowed. But upon meeting and having time with her cousin Elizabeth... She is beginning to understand the weight of the child that she bears. She's beginning to understand the blessing that the Lord has placed upon her. And she can do nothing other than sing out with praise. My soul magnifies the Lord. The second part, in verse 47, she says, "...and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior." Again, we find joy and we find pleasure in many things in this life, right? If you're like me, you might enjoy a good meal, right? Medium rare ribeye, seasoned broccoli, mashed potatoes or baked potato, however you want it. Nice hot roll. Finish it off at the end of the evening with a piece of strawberry cheesecake, right? We find pleasure in things like this. But I think Mary is on to something when she says, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Does your spirit, does the heart of your heart, does the center of your being find its most deepest sense of joy in God, your Savior? Because if you've lived long enough, you know that pleasures and seasons of life they can come and go, right? Work can be good on a Monday, and by Wednesday you're ready to you're ready to to, to put in your two week notice, right? We had a Monday here at work uh, a couple weeks ago where uh, I, I worked for Bank of Oklahoma, and, uh, and and so we had a Monday a couple weeks ago where our debit card machine where we print out uh debit cards for people who have either opened up a new account or they got lost or stolen or anything destroyed right we've seen people bring in debit cards that like went through the washer and they're like all deformed or they went through the dryer and they're like melted a little bit right so but this monday comes and our debit card machine is down the cash machine that we have it went down and so we're having to work out of our drawers and so everything's slow everything's backed up and then on top of that on top of that One of the uh, systems in our computer had to uh, do its, you know, uh, every three or four months it has to update. And so everything was going slow. And it was one of those Mondays where you're like, yeah, maybe you should have just called in. Maybe you should have just called in. We have moments and we have days in our lives where it feels like you can't go on. Where there's no more joy to be had. But I want to remind you, I want you to look back at Mary's words where she magnifies the Lord with her soul, but her spirit rejoices, not in the things of God, right? Here's a key thing for us, brothers and sisters. We must remember that we're not, and we should be grateful for the things that God has given us, right? But we don't rejoice in the things that God gives us, but the giver who gives us good things. I think that's important for us to understand that God gives His children, those whom He loves, good things, but we ultimately rejoice in the giver and not the gift. Imagine, some of you here are parents, imagine when you give your children gifts for Christmas, if they then found all of their joy and all of their happiness in the gift and had no regard and no love for you, the giver. May we be, brothers and sisters in Christ, may we be followers of Jesus who rejoice in who God is and in what he does. This is what Mary is teaching us here in verses 46 and 47. Let's move quickly. 48. Because He has looked on me, or looked on His humble servant with favor, surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me. For His name is holy. Here in 48 and 49, we are seeing Mary begin to understand this plan that God has for her. And this baby that she is carrying, that she is starting to understand the ramifications of what will happen. Does she know fully? Of course not. Even Jesus' own followers, when he rose from the dead, don't understand fully the ramifications of the kingdom, right? They're, they're right that Jesus is they're getting ready to ascend there in the first chapter of Acts, and they say, Lord, are, are now you going to bring in the kingdom? And Jesus is like, you guys still don't get it, right? Like, you're still not piecing this whole thing together. And so, it's... Mary doesn't understand the full picture, but she is starting to understand in very real ways the blessing that has been bestowed upon her. And she is realizing what God has done for her will not just affect her, but it will affect the generations that people will look back on Mary, mother of Jesus, and call her blessed. And because of what God has done for Mary, because of who God is, Mary's spirit rejoices. So ask yourself, brothers and sisters, does your spirit rejoice in God your Savior? Everything is stripped away. Can we say like Job says, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh, but blessed be His name. The next section of our text. Is a section where Mary and scholars debate on what Mary's doing here. Is she looking back at Old Testament, or is she looking forward in more of a prophetic sense? And I think that we don't have to um, we don't have to draw uh, sharp lines here of what she's doing because, in one sense, in this next section, she is in a sense prophesying to what the ministry of Jesus the right her the son in her womb, she's prophesying to what his ministry is going to look like. But in another sense, she's being reflective and using language that we find all over the Old Testament to display or to describe God. So let's look at this. She says, starting in verse 50, His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. So, she reminds us here that God's mercy endures, right? His mercy endures from generation to generation. But she also reminds us that it is for those who fear Him. It is for those who understand who God is and who they are, who we are in relation to Him. It's not fear in the sense that we're scared, like if we go see a movie and we're, you know, wanting to be scared or jolted. It's not fear that we have when we get bad news from the doctor. Or when we find out our company that we work for is sold, and we're not sure if we're going to have a job, right? It's not that type of fear. It's this reverent allness. It's this reverent appreciation for who God is and His vastness and His wonder in relation to how small and insignificant we are in the universe. God's mercy endures to those who fear him. Mary reminds us of this. She goes on to say that he has with his arm done a great or a mighty deed. If you remember back to last week, we were in First Peter and we're talking about the humble yourselves under the mighty arm of the Lord. Right? Again, we find language of the Lord's arm being able to do or doing a mighty work. And Mary describes what this work is in verse 51. She says, God has scattered the proud. Remember back to last week in 1 Peter that there is, there is no such thing as a proud Christian. God scatters the proud. Why? Because of the thoughts of their hearts. Pride, more than anything else, is an issue of the heart. Right? It's an issue of the heart. It's when we think that we deserve. It's when we think that we've accomplished. It's when we think that it is our right. But when you serve the God of the universe, there is no room for the proud. And so let me ask you this, church ask myself this as I was preparing for the message. What are the thoughts of your hearts like? What are the thoughts of your hearts like? Is there pride in your heart? Are you mad at the Lord because you feel like He hasn't given you something you deserve? Are you mad at your employer? Are you mad or are you disappointed in your spouse because you feel like You deserve this or you deserve that. The text says that God scatters the proud because of the thoughts of their heart. Search your heart. Search your heart. Ask the Lord to remove anything that would keep you from Him. Verse 52 Mary goes on to say, He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. This section is a reminder to us that God works bottom to top. Right? Jesus in His own words says, If you want to be first, you must be what? Last. If you want to follow after me, you must sell everything. Everything. You must deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily. But in the Old Testament, we'll remember it as well. That God raises up and puts down kingdoms according to His sovereign will. As powerful and as wonderful and mighty as the Egyptian empire was, God toppled it his servant Moses. If you remember back to the book of Daniel and you have the Babylonian Empire who has come and they have destroyed Jerusalem because of Jerusalem's infidelity to the Lord. Right? And Nebuchadnezzar brings the Babylonian Empire and he destroys them and he carries them off and they're in exile for some 70 years. But in the middle of that, we learn this small chapter in Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar has become proud and boastful and the Lord drives him out in the wilderness until Nebuchadnezzar is what? Humble. And realizes that it is the Lord God of the Jewish people that is the one true God topples the mighty from their thrones. And He exalts the lowly. Right? This is a complete reversal of societal expectations, both in the first century and today. Right? Just think about all the people that you see on TV. Right? And not not on the news when it's some sad, tragic story or something bad happens, but think about all of the people that you see on TV and shows and movies. Think about all of the influencers that are on social media. The majority of them have power and status and wealth. But this text is a reminder. We must be very careful, church, to seek those things because, as Mary says, God toppled the mighty from their thrones, and He exalted the lowly. We find this in the life and the ministry of Jesus, right? The Pharisees in the book of Acts are perplexed by John and Peter because they are able to give an account of Jesus and His ministry and yet they were what uneducated fishermen in fact we read in the gospels and we read about how any how could anything good come from galilee god uses in his divine plan god uses time and time again the lowly the least expected and so Maybe, may, may I encourage you this morning. No matter what your status is in your community. No matter what your status is at work. No matter how much money's in your bank account. No matter how many followers you have on Instagram or Twitter. Or how many friends you have on Facebook. If you will humble yourself underneath the Lord's power and provision. He will exalt you. that is good news. 53. It says that he satisfied the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. And we think about that, right? And we think about how that that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense because those who are hungry... They're the ones that feel empty, right? You ever fasted before, or ever had to work a long shift and you didn't get to eat lunch, and you're you feel hungry, right? You feel empty. You don't, your body lacks energy, and, and 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 this is just a general truth, right? And Mary says, no, no, but with the Lord, He satisfies those who hunger, and those who are rich, those who have plenty, those whose... Bellies are literally full in the first century. Right? you got to remember back to the first century. It wasn't like you could go down to McDonald's and just go up to the drive-thru or go in there and say, Hey, I'll take a couple double cheeseburgers off the value menu. I don't know if they have those anymore because everything seems expensive these days. No, if you were poor in the first century, you were poor poor. You weren't even ramen noodles poor. You were like begging for Uh, animal food poor but not so with God not so in God's economy and in his kingdom for God satisfies the hungry but the rich those who have plenty in their earthly possessions what are they sent away with nothing this is a reminder brothers and sisters in Christ that the materials that we acquire the status that we gain the money that we have is not a representation of who we are or God's favor for us God's kingdom and his plan and redemption looks different how the world would view things. It always has. It looked different when He called lowly Israel, right? When He called them out of slavery. It looked different when He told Abraham, in your advanced age, you will have a son that will bless many nations. It looked different when He chose David to topple Goliath rather than the great and mighty Saul. It looked different when he chose Gideon to take his small little army and go and liberate the nation of Israel, verse a foe of many more. It looked different when God showed up for Elijah on Mount Carmel, when there was all the prophets and all the army of Baal, and there was just Elijah. God showed up and consumed the entire altar and sacrifice. So, brothers and sisters, may I encourage you that when your life doesn't look like the great and mighty American dream, when you don't have your finances in order, when you're not sure uh, how you're going to pay rent or the mortgage or how you're going to do this or that, you're not sure how you're going to get your car fixed because it's got 300,000 miles on it and you can't afford a new one like your best friends or your neighbors? May I remind you that God works in unexpected and in ways. He always has. And I think He always will. Finally, a reminder of God's mercy. Verses 54 and 55, and we'll end with these two verses. Mary says, He, God, has helped, or I like, uh, I, I would translate this, to the original Greek is, He has come to the aid. He has come to the aid of His servant Israel. Why? Because He remembered His mercy. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. This is both forecasting the sending of Jesus and the redeeming that he will do to us from our sin. But it's got language that is similar to when God calls Moses, right? He says, God tells Moses in the burning bush, Listen, I'm going to send you to liberate your people from captivity because I've heard their cries, right? And I remembered my mercy for them. And so 2,000 years ago, brothers and sisters, God remembered His mercy for His people. And He acted in such a way that He caused a virgin betrothed to a carpenter to be with child. To give birth to our Savior. To set in course the greatest plan in the history of mankind. To us, a Savior is born. Our Savior, Jesus. God heard the cries of his people but instead of sending a powerful warrior to liberate them from Roman captivity he sent a lowly and humble baby that would grow up and to be a great teacher that would grow up to be a great leader and disciple maker but ultimately would go to the cross for your sin God remembered His mercy. He remembered His covenant to Abraham that through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and His servant David, the one called Jesus would come. He has come to the aid of His servant Israel, brothers and sisters. And we see this most specifically in the sending of Jesus, His Son. Let's pray. Dear Lord, may our hearts sing with confidence. And may we rejoice greatly in You, our Savior. For You, God, have heard our cries. You, God, You hear our cries. And You come to the aid of Your people. So Lord, may we continue to cry out. And may we continue to rejoice in who You are and what You've done for us in Jesus Christ. May we remember this Christmas season. The plan and the providence of our great God to send Jesus. To rescue us from our sins. It's in his name we pray. Amen.